This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Prasant Patil, who's a geotechnical engineer at Gessner Engineering, LLC. We'll be talking about the start of his career and some of the things that have influenced him to be where he is today. We're also going to talk about his company's uh, mission and goal and some of the types of projects they work on. And we're going to take a deep dive into the world of pavement design some of the considerations that go into how one designs pavement, some of the challenges, and how to overcome those challenges. I'm your host, Jared Green, and I'm excited to be bringing you another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. But before we get started, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor for today's episode, that being Tensar, a division of CMC. Check out Tensar Plus the award-winning design software for construction professionals to design with geosynthetics and calculate their value on projects. Tensar Plus is simple to use with a powerful engineering system at its core. It leverages our decades of research and experience with soils all over the world, so you can count on your solutions working the first time, even in the most difficult conditions. Whether you're designing a crane pad or need to build a temporary road over muck, the cost, time, and carbon savings can be calculated Making comparison with alternatives simple. Specs, reports, and product data can be generated for your design. And training resources, research, and our third-party expert reviews are all provided conveniently in the software if needed. Usable both online and offline, the app is available in browser and on all major mobile platforms. Whatever you're working on, Tensar Plus is your toolbox for success. Prasad, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I appreciate you guys reaching out and basically inviting me to this. This is a great platform. I have been following you guys and watching people uh, talk about geotechnical engineering as well as civil engineering. So I feel fortunate enough to be a part of the initiative as well. So thank you. It would be great if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Talk about your career journey and what it is you do now. That would be great. Kind of set the stage for our conversation. My name is Prashant Patil. I'm from a small town named Lakshmi Dahiwadi in India. I know the pronunciation might be hard, but uh, it's a very small town in India with a population of around like 15,000. I completed my undergrad in civil engineering from Solapur University, Solapur. And after my undergrad, I basically had a uh, few options to pursue my career in geotechnical engineering in India itself. But somehow the curious person in me was basically like, maybe I should get some global experience or experience the globally influenced education system when it comes to geotechnical engineering. So that was one of the main reasons uh, behind me applying to the US universities. And 
I think since I started studying civil engineering, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't sure if this is something that I want to be continuing as a part of my career. But geotechnical engineering was something that impressed me a lot during my undergrad. And thanks to my professors uh, who taught me geotechnical engineering in undergrad and basically ignited that spark in me. So after that, I basically uh, started doing more and more research or like reading more about geotechnical. And I came across Dr. Brio's profile from Texas A&M University. And when it, that was the reason I applied to Texas A&M University and I got admitted. So I worked with Dr. Brio on my master's thesis. I completed my master's in geotechnical engineering from Texas A&M University College Station. And even before I graduated, I had a job offer from Gessner Engineering. I had a few job offers that came in around the same time. And then the million dollar question, where do I want to go, right? I think sometimes like people say it's a good problem to have multiple job offers, but it, it takes you. I basically uh, started looking at the companies that provided, like offered me a job. And Gessner Engineering was only one company which had all other services beyond geotechnical engineering in the same office. So my initial thought was, if I go in a geotechnical specific company, I may basically focus only on geotechnical part, but I can see the interrelation or co-dependencies between different aspects of civil engineering if I join Gessner Engineering. So uh, that's why I joined the Gessner Engineering and the rest is history. I have been working with Gessner Engineering for more than four years now, and it has been a wonderful experience. There are different types of projects which were challenging at some times. Uh, so those types of projects I worked on and that experience has basically made me technically confident and independent. And I received my PE license last year. So I'm a new PE. Obviously, people get scared when they see like those two letters behind your name because the majority of people ask me a question saying, is the financial aspect or the uh, status aspect worthy enough to additional responsibility you're taking? But my experience has been wonderful. And so I'm enjoying it. So that's something about me. That's a little bit more about your company. Good history, good reputation in the field. What type of things are they doing or what type of projects you're working on? Gessler Engineering is basically a Texas-based firm. It was established in 2003. So we are completing our 20 years next month. So it is majorly women-owned company. And right now we have five production departments or services, which are basically general civil engineering, survey, uh, geotechnical, construction material testing, structural. And we also have a project management department, which basically acts as a liaison between the company and clients to provide that support to improve the client experience. As far as the sectors are concerned, we basically are focusing more on higher education institutes or projects, and then public and municipal corporation projects. We also do residential projects as well in Texas right now. And other types of work that we do are basically commercial, medical, public, religious, and industrial work as well. So the company has been well established for like 20 years now. And the main thing that I love about the company is basically the culture. The culture within the company, because everyone believes in relationships here, whether those are internal relationships or external relationships with the clients. And majority of the industry right now is very numbers driven, right? You have to achieve this much goal financially, or you have to be producing this much work only. 
So that is not the only factor that Gessner Engineering focuses on. So they value you as a person, relationships, and uh, try to provide as much support as we can to basically help you personally as well as professionally. We have recently started working on our 2028 goals, which are like five years out from now. So we are not only focusing on short-term goals and just trying to see what will happen, but planning strategically for next few years and trying to understand what we need to do in order to be there where we want to be. So companies growing very rapidly. And so everyone just wants to be somewhere, right? In a good position or somewhere big. But how do we basically set ourselves up for success is through something called as Gessner Framework. So these are basically the guidelines which uh, help us for improving our culture within the company, providing leadership, understanding behavioral values, basically that employees can utilize and improve the culture as well as structure of the company and uh, focusing more on vision that we have and how do we achieve that through goal setting. So just like I said a few seconds ago, the one thing that I love the most about the company is the culture because for an international student who didn't have any experience in the US joining a company who is rapidly growing and still being able to correlate or still being able to feel you're being appreciated is something that every international student or a person basically looks out for, right? And so that is something that I definitely got from Gessner Engineering. So this is where we are as a Gessner Engineering, and maybe in the next five years, you will see a totally different aspect of Geotechnica, uh, sorry, Gessner Engineering. We're talking a little bit about pavement today. So geotechnical explorations or investigations that's like the first step, right? And that's a critical phase for pavement design. Can you walk us through some of the key steps and methodologies involved in the process? Before I answer your question, I want to set up stage for why geotechnical engineering is really important in pavement design, right? Because we keep on hearing, yeah, geotechnical engineering is important for pavement, but people sometimes fail to understand what is the relation or what is the science behind correlation between pavement design and geotechnical engineering. So let me take you all back to general physics class that you had. It is a free body diagram. Like we all learned about free body diagrams, right? There is a load coming from one direction. There should be reaction from the other one to keep it in equilibrium. Or there are multiple forces coming in different direction. And how does it affect the stability of the structure itself? When people talk about pavement design, everybody focuses on the downward loading. What do I mean by downward loading is everyone just focuses on, oh, there is a truck passing by. This much is the weight that is going to be passed on the pavement. So this much should be the thickness. But there is another force, which is the upward force coming from soils. That also affects the performance of the pavement. So people sometimes, they don't realize that there is a correlation between the upward loading and then the downward loading. So... Upward loading is definitely provided by soils and it is affected by the condi soil conditions and everything, right? So it is important for any pavement design project to know what kind of soils they are dealing with or what are the subgrade conditions. So how do we basically analyze those? We basically divide it in multiple phases. So phase one can be data gathering. So understanding what type of loading are we expecting from vehicular traffic, right? or what is the performance expectation? What is the duration of the pavement that they want it to perform at that level? 
what is the cost impact? And at the same time, geotechnical engineering uh, will come into picture to understand the soil stratigraphy at any location or any particular site. And then uh, once the samples are basically retrieved from the ground, testing those for index properties, strength properties, is something that becomes the next step in the process itself. Because we need to understand what kind of soils we have. So index properties come into picture, but for strength, just like I said, upward loading is also important. And for pavements to perform better, you need to have good or strong enough subgrade. So those parameters come into picture. And once we have all this information, then the actual modeling happens, understanding what are the soil conditions, what is the performance expected from the soils, and how does that affect the performance expectations for the pavement, and how do we correlate those. So these are some like key methodologies or steps that we utilize. Obviously, there are some other exceptions, such as weather conditions, right? Which is going to affect how soils are right now and how soils will be during the construction. So things like that also are taken into consideration, and that affects your methodology sometimes. And what are some of the challenges? So we want to think about some specific challenges that geotechnical engineers can encounter when they're conducting investigations for pavement design? I think as far as challenges go, uh, one of the main challenges, and that is not only for pavement, it is pretty much for all geotechnical projects, is the groundwater. Understanding where the groundwater is and how that is going to affect your performance of any structure, whether it is a pavement or a building or infrastructure, right, in general. So that is one of the main challenges. Weather conditions, just like I said a few minutes ago, if you have different weather conditions during geotechnical investigation and during construction, that is also going to affect overall performance of the overall design methodologies. And the other factor, the research started on this one a few decades ago, but it hasn't been seen in the industry affecting many of the geotechnical engineering analysis or awareness in general in geotechnical engineers is sulfates. Just like I said, we are in state of Texas. So obviously I have more familiarity with the soils in the area. And one of the main factors that we deal with is uh, soils with high shrink soil characteristics. So if we, we have soils with high shrink soil characteristics, one of the key factors that we do to make it work or to basically improve the performance of the pavement is stabilizing those soils. People generally use lime in this area to reduce their expansion potential of soils. And so what happens in that case is like with the sulfates and everything, we are at the risk of experiencing sulfate-induced hues, which is more problematic than the soil itself. So things like this, understanding how much testing we need to do, understanding the geology, these are the factors that you need to keep in mind even before actually performing any geotechnical investigation. So these are the key challenges, I guess, that I see being like a hurdle between getting enough or sufficient data and designing or providing recommendations for payment, which will be matching expectations based on soil and performance. When you hear all these challenges and opportunities, like why wouldn't everybody want to be a geotech, right? I mean, this is important stuff, a challenger, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the main things that I uh, kept on hearing uh, when I was choosing geotechnical, I just uh, graduated in like 2019. So it has been only four years. But one of the main factors that people always tell me when it comes to payment design is, oh, then you don't have to worry about it. It's civil engineer's job. You're a geotechnical engineer, but it is not the same thing, right? You're trying to get into one factor of 
payment design while providing the payment recommendations. Basically, just like I said, there is upward loading and downward loading. So having to find that balance to match the expectations is basically dependent on geotech as well. And uh, it is very interesting. The field itself is very interesting. So just like you said, I don't understand why people will basically have any hesitation towards geotechnical engineering. So you talk about these uh, geotechnical investigations. There's so many factors that come into play. We'd love it if you could delve into how something such as, let's just say, soil composition, uh, geologic conditions, environmental factors, like how do these influence the outcome of the investigations and then therefore the pavement design recommendations? When it comes to geotechnical engineering and its effect on pavement design, there are a few things that we need to keep into consideration. So, for example, one of the things was soil composition. As I mentioned, we are based in Texas, so we have shrink swell soils, uh, or soils with higher shrink swell potential. Uh, some states or some locations may not even have those soils, so they have totally different requirements as far as the soil performance is concerned. So even though I'm saying we get to see shrink swell soils in the majority part of Texas, there are still some locations or sites that we have worked on which are basically characterized by sands. Loose sand, dense sand, it doesn't matter, but sands. And now different soil compositions require different attention when it comes to stabilization, when it comes to performance expectation. I mentioned a few minutes ago, when it comes to shrink swell soils and you're trying to uh, improve the performance of those soils, uh, people generally consider lime stabilization. Right. In case of sand, people generally consider cement stabilization. So each type of stabilizer has its own purpose. And so that will change depending upon the site conditions or soil compositions. Another main factor that we have to consider when providing recommendations for pavement design is uh, something called a CBR, which is California bearing ratio. Right. It is uh, kind of like a stiffness factor for soils and how soils are going to perform when it is experiencing some kind of load. So based on the soil conditions, that number will also change, which is going to affect your thickness of the pavement because the thickness gets derived from the soil parameters itself. The other thing is talking about strength, but not CBR, is like how loose soils are or how stiff or hard soils are. For any kind of structure to perform better, you have to have stiff enough subgrade so that you can put something on it and it for it to perform better, right? So if you have loose soils, even though your particular pavement is thick enough or stiff enough, the soil which is supporting it is not strong enough. So you still face uh, challenges related to the performance. So soil composition or like soil conditions affect in this way. How does geotechnical uh, variability affect it is, if I have to give an example related to Texas, I-35, like which is high, uh, Highway I-35, right? And so if you look at the geology of Texas, majority of part uh, towards the east of it is just consisting of clays and silts and sand. But if you go towards the west of that highway, you start getting into limestone. So now the CBR value generally changes whether it has limestone underneath or it has clay underneath. And for some of our projects we have had in Austin area, I guess, site itself will have, some part will have limestone underneath, some part won't have limestone underneath. So geological conditions will also affect how we design and how we provide recommendations for it. 
and as far as like environmental factors go i would basically talk about freeze and thaw conditions or temperatures so all these things are going to affect so for example the phenomena that we are using for design in texas may not be applicable to arizona based on temperature varies or phenomena that you're uh, using in texas may not be applicable to some of the northern states right so these all factors basically affect the performance and design methodology for pavement and if we could delve into that a little more we talk about climate and weather variability that's definitely gonna have an impact on the geotechnical recommendations for pavement what are some of the specific strategies and conditions in regions that have extreme weather conditions? So, you know, you talk about like a Phoenix where it's very hot or maybe like, a, I don't know, Buffalo, New York. I mean, what are some of the things that come into play there? Let's take the example of temperature to start with, right? Uh, so temperature is one of the climate conditions or it is one of the factors of weather conditions. And so as we are looking at different types of pavements that we are doing, whether it is like, let it be like a rigid pavement with just concrete or let it be flexible pavement with asphalt only, those things get affected by variation in temperature, right? So our groundwater is one of the other climate conditions due to rain, heavy rain or existing groundwater sources. So that is another thing, or freeze and thaw conditions. All these things affect the performance of the pavement or design of the pavement. So how do we basically take that into consideration is making sure that the materials that you're using or the soil conditions that you're looking at are designed for those environmental loading. With climate change and everything, the long-term performance of the pavement with these loadings is getting affected. And so how we basically look at that or how do we basically take that into consideration for geotechnical analysis is one of the main factors in design. When you're working on pavement design projects, how do you adapt the approach to account for the various load-bearing recommendations, especially as you talk about different types of pavement? You have uh, highways, you have parking lots, you might have airport runways. I mean, how are you taking all that into consideration? For the last 20 minutes, I was talking about how geotechnical engineering is important and how loading coming from soil is going to affect the performance of the pavement, right? The other factor or the other side of this pavement design is basically loading or structural loading coming from the vehicular uh, traffic, right? So depending upon what kind of pavement that we're designing, whether it is a parking lot or whether it is a highway or whether it is any kind of different road, like a private road, everything is going to have a certain amount of traffic loading. So trying to understand that and basically utilizing that information in pavement design is also important. So if we look at ACIs for parking lot design, if we look at any government-based or like text, like we have text-based software, which is FPS or Ashto method. So majority of these different resources that we use for providing geotechnical recommendations or any proprietary software that we use, all of them take a traffic loading into consideration. What type of road it is, how is it gonna affect, because that decides the overall downward loading that the pavement is gonna have for a design period. So understanding that and making sure that your pavement section itself is stiff enough to perform to a certain extent within the design period is the way that we take that into consideration. So just like I was explaining, if I have 100 cars passing on a road and I have 118 wheelers passing on a road, the design is going to be different because the amount of vehicular load that you're taking into consideration is totally different. 
That just makes it all the more important to make sure you're getting that information from your client early on <laughs> instead of just making the assumptions, right? Exactly. And that is what I was saying uh, when you asked me about like methodology or key stages. The first stage that I mentioned was like data gathering. You need to get that information from the client because being a geotechnical engineer, you may not have clear understanding by yourself without talking to the client on what is the type of traffic that we are basically expecting on this particular road or parking lot. So having that information handy actually uh, helps you in making good engineering judgment and providing the parameters that are actually applicable for the design rather than just making some assumptions which may or may not make sense to the client or project. In the context of payment design, what role does sustainability play and how do geotechnical recommendations contribute to environmentally responsible infrastructure development? This is a very good question. What I would basically say, as far as the sustainability goes, I have seen a trend where people basically are trying to use recycled material. So instead of discarding some old payment sections during rehabilitation, you basically are going to recycle some material. Different types of cements are being used recently, or like at least people are doing research on it, on like how can we change the cement composition to reduce the carbon footprint. So as far as like geotechnical engineers role in it, it goes understanding the exact properties of those materials, how does that affect your recommendations for the pavement is something that every geotechnical engineer has to be like aware of and understanding what are the other sources or resources that we can utilize to basically uh, do it more. The other way to look at it is basically, like for example, I was talking about stabilization, right? So every single layer in pavement has a specific structural number which provides you the overall design parameter for a pavement section and gives you an opportunity to basically make changes to the thickness of any specific layer. So keeping that in mind, how can we be providing recommendations for more sustainable designs is something important. When you look towards the future, what are some trends and innovations that you see emerging in the geotechnical engineering pavement design that could shape the industry in the years to come? As I just mentioned about like different types of cements, different type of like recycled materials, trying to see how we can be environmentally responsible as a geotechnical engineer as well. So I think these are the some trends that I'm seeing nowadays with people thinking about it, thinking about how uh, different climatic conditions are going to affect your design of the pavement or like recommendations that you're going to provide. So that is the trend that I'm seeing. And I think that is a great start because that is something that we need along with some soil improvement. So it would be good to see some more research or information related to that. Well, thank you so much. We're going to come back in just a minute and close this one out with Prashant in our Career Factor Safety in segment. Before we go on here, I would like to take a minute to recognize our other sponsor for this episode, Menard USA. Do you have projects where you are faced with building on soft or loose ground? Does it seem like all the good sites are taken and you're always building on poor soils that are a challenge for conventional foundation approaches? Menard may be able to help. As a specialty ground improvement contractor, Menard works nationally and internationally providing design-build ground improvement solutions at sites with problematic soils. 
Typical projects include warehouses, buildings, material storage piles, embankments, roadways, port facilities, storage tanks, platforms, and more. In many cases, ground improvement is less costly than traditional approaches such as removal and replacement or piling systems. Menard works closely with civil, structural, and geotechnical engineers to minimize foundation costs for wide ranges of soil conditions, structure types, and loading conditions. To learn more about Menard USA or for help on your next project, please visit www.menardusa.com. That's www.menardusa.com. Welcome back. It's time for our Career Factor Safety End segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating a factor of safety into your actual career? Today, of course, we're speaking with Prasant Patil from Gessner Engineering, LLC. Prasant, you've already had a successful career. I know you're four years in, but <laughs> it's been successful so far. And when you look back at this career, starting your career, let's call it, uh, what's one thing you've implemented in your career so far to give yourself a factor of safety in your career? Being new to the U.S. education system or being new to the U.S. industry or like geotechnical industry in the U.S. itself, one of the main things that I uh, implemented at the very early stage of my career was always keep on listening and learning new technical things that you can because the geotechnical industry is rapidly growing, rapidly changing. So you have to keep it up with it and keep on growing. And there are multiple ways to do it, right? So you can either take advanced courses, you can attend seminars and webinars uh, to basically understand what are the trends in the industry, how we can uh, keep ourselves up with it. And the other benefits or like other sides of it are basically you're developing more relationships while attending those webinars and seminars, which not only from your career's perspective, but also from your technical perspective help you a lot. So for example, if I'm attending any webinar on chemical injections, now it is going to help me somehow in having a resource if any of my projects need that information. And uh, now I have a person who I can basically depend on. So understanding and learning, creating more relationships throughout the industry is something that I always told myself and it has become a factor of safety for myself. Prasad, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all the great insights with us. He shares some great information and advice I know is going to be helpful for our listeners. Uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? you have an email you want to share or are you on social media? I would prefer sharing my LinkedIn profile. They can reach out to me on my uh, company email address, which is ppartil at gessnerkeng.com. We'll get that in the show notes. So thank you for coming on. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 90, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all of your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? 
and how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term. You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.